You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. I love gold! The look of it, the taste of it, the smell of it, the texture. I love gold so much that I even lost my genitalia in an unfortunate smelting accident. Hello everybody, my name is Zach. I'm Brandon. Welcome to another Shagadelic episode of Nostalgia Be Damn, the show where we take some of your favorite movies from your childhood, you know the ones you're nostalgic about, and we review them, watch them objectively, let you know, are these movies actually any good, or are you blinded by nostalgia? This week we watch 2002's action spy comedy, Austin Powers in Gold Member. That's the official title. Yep, that's right. We skipped one and two, went straight to three, because that's what we do for you here at Nostalgia Be Damned. Uh, You know, we get, it's a tough time out there for everybody. We're in what, week four of quarantine, Brandon? Is that it? I've lost track of time. (laughs) Lost track of time. Um, We're going to keep providing content for you, so long as Brandon's computer (laughs) (laughs) So long as they hold up. Yeah, the last one, legit, committed seppuku. It was, all was going well. We had that hiccup a couple weeks back anyway, about a month back where it died i thought it was on its last legs was planning on backing some stuff up before you know it actually went out to pasture and it decided nah dude fuck you just another classic nbd hiatus <laughs> I, I remember when we first started the show we went like a full year going every single week maybe mm-hmm. missing one maybe missing one yeah but it's, it's shocking to get how long it's taken us just to get another 20 episodes <laughs> it's crazy I, I, we should have been we should be at like episode 150 at this point <laughs> oh easily easily uh, but that's okay we're that's here okay. now we're here now look Glad out to for be. uh we're on hiatus nbd shirts we gotta start making money off this shit <laughs> exactly exactly uh, but what a movie to come back to you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah uh Wow. Um, Why did we pick number three, Zach? Because you were gung-ho about Goldmember. Uh, easy with your gung-ho. <laughs> I think when we I think we talked it out. And, I mean, Goldmember, I think for me, you know, the other two were just kind of out and well-established in popular culture, either before I was really old enough to understand what Austin Powers was or, or really just old enough to get anything. I think Goldmember was the first one that came out theatrically that I was like, I can, you know, I can see this. I can understand it. It was the only one that I think I was actually looking forward to seeing for the first time, which was new for me with that franchise. So I think that kind of hits the nostalgia a little bit harder for us anyway. I don't know about you, Brandon, for me. The first time I saw it, it was my birthday. We rented this movie and Signs. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. It was my birthday. We were we were chilling out at my house for a big old slumber party, and uh, we watched Signs first. That's a good prep. <laughs> and followed it up with this. <laughs> Previous NBD episode, by the way. Check the feed. That's right. I, too, saw this movie for my birthday. It was July of my 12th birthday, and I saw this twice in one month. Wow. Upon its release. Huge deal for me. The Austin Powers movies came out, yeah, the first one was in 97, so I was six years old. And I probably watched it on VHS a couple years after that with my dad, because he was a huge fan of SNL, Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, that whole crew. I I don't know what to tell you, because I remember bits and pieces of Wayne's World, which was also the movie he would watch in conjunction with this, because again, huge Mike Myers fan. But I can tell you almost every line of Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me, the sequel. The first one, International Man of Mystery, 
I understand and can recognize is the best made film in the series. Mm-hmm. It's it's probably, and as we'll talk about the critics' reception, it's the most positively received. For me, though, number two and number three, I came back to again and again and again. And these both of these movies, I could, as I was watching Goldmember, could anticipate the lines as they were coming. It's just, it's never left me despite not watching Goldmember for a solid 10 years, probably. You know, it's crazy because... Um, and I'm sure we'll get into this a lot, as you said, but I have an admission. I watched Goldmember and immediately followed it up, like hit next, play next, uh, with International Mad of Mystery. What a fucking change between that first movie and Goldmember. It is bizarre how much that movie really changed with not only the times and like the trends in comedy, but just like the pacing of it and its whole identity, it really leaned into itself by Goldmember. Now, the first one, because I haven't seen International Man and Mystery, that one's easily 15 years since I've seen that movie front to back. Does that hold up? Would you say that's still pretty funny? Or um, from a story structure, is it better than this one? Or maybe we can get into our feelings on the entire franchise later on after this. But. No, I mean, because I would say it's it's a parody and we've always had this kind of we've had this problem doing parodies in the past before where it's like, you know, obviously this is kind of slapstick and thrown together and not, you know, not really anything to go deep diving and looking for any sort of meaning of life in it. Um, I think it's a better movie than gold member um, in terms of plot and structure. I mean, no, it's a spy parody. So it's, it, you know, there's nothing eye-opening about it. I can understand why people probably loved it in 97. Sure. By 2020, I no, I, I would say it probably doesn't hold up as well. Okay, okay. And what were your thoughts on the second film in the franchise? I haven't seen the second film of the franchise in a really long time, um, but it kind of felt like much of the same. It kind of felt like a split between International Man of Mystery and Goldmember, where they were probably leaning in a bit heavier, again, into, you know, at this point, Austin Powers is established. People are quoting him. People are, you know, yeah, baby. You know, Do I make you horny? Yeah, constant. <laughs> exactly. So I think that's when they kind of, they're, you know, they're just giving the people what they want at this point. But I, again, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I think it is probably a little bit more... Of, of you know you're watching that it feels more like a film than probably cold member does yeah a bit more refined a bit more refined all three of these movies directed by jay roach who's become quite prolific in the last few years he started his career off with a very small film that almost no one saw that i can't even remember the title of so i don't know why i brought it up but okay good this is his real calling card was the international man of mystery in 97 that was followed up his second film technically is there <laughs> the Spy Who Shagged Me in 1999. He also brought us Mystery Alaska. Do you remember that one? The 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 hockey movie? Yeah, okay. Uh, Meet the Parents, Meet the Fockers, Dinner for Schmucks, The Campaign, Trumbo, that uh, yep, Brian Cranston one. Yep, I remember then he did, Trumbo. Then he, he's taken this strange direction, almost like an Adam McKay in the last few years, where he did two politically-themed HBO movies called Game Change and All the Way, and most recently did Bombshell. Game Change is such a good movie, by the Which, way. Which is that the Sarah Palin one or is the other one the Sarah? That okay, is the right. Sarah Palin. That is the Sarah Palin one. It is so good. It's strange to see these comedic directors, movie. especially the ones who are so steeped in this slapstick spoof style comedy, really. Uh, I don't know. Dig their nails into these like political satires. I do think. I mean, I, it's it's the equivalent of watching 
you know, someone like Mike Myers turn around and doing maybe a serious movie after having done Austin Powers for, for two decades. Yeah. No, I agree. I think Adam McKay has been a bit more successful with uh, The Big Short and Vice. Uh, Bombshell, I thought it was, it was all right. It was, it was fine. But I do kind of enjoy how... He can do many different genres, I suppose, and he's not one that's necessarily getting pigeonholed in his in his career in later years anyway. But Goldmember cost an estimated $63 million to make. It earned a whopping $213 million in the U.S. and $296 million worldwide, earning less than its predecessor, which actually earned $312 million worldwide. And to put this all into context, just to show how popular the first film became on home video, International Man of Mystery only earned $63 million worldwide. So over the next few years, people watching this on TV and on uh, VHS, it really built in popularity. And by the time the third one came, you know, three or four years after The Spy Who Shagged Me, three years, you know, people were fucking frothing at the mouth for this. And I, I certainly was. <laughs> it feels like one of the first... Maybe not the first, but it feels like one of those movies where it sort you know, while making fun of pop culture became pop culture in and of itself. A lot like, um, you know, like we talk, when we talked about Zoolander a couple weeks ago, it, yeah. ju- it feels like maybe the beginning of those kinds of movies, at least in that decade they had the scary movies too going around this time the waynes brothers Mm -hmm. so gold member finished number seven on the box office charts domestically for the year of 2002 the second highest grossing comedy of that year behind my big fat greek fucking wedding which still blows my mind to this day saw that movie a lot did you really i've still never seen that my mother loved that movie how about the sequel dude i did not see the sequel (laughs) well this somehow managed to earn more than men in black 2 mr deeds barbershop Jackass the movie, dude? Orange County, Master of Disguise, Undercover Brother, and of course your favorite, The Hot Chick, Schneider Soldiers. Yeah, well, I don't know how you just blew by freaking um, Master, Master of, of Disguise. disguise. <laughs> your favorite movie. Dana Carr, I was going to say, recently became one of my favorites. Also no, Undercover did... Brother, which I liked when I was a kid. That could be a stay tuned. That could be a stay tuned. Also another spoof movie of, while this is kind of spoofing, uh, you know, spy films, that's kind of a, a riff on the black exploitation genre, which yep. was pretty funny from what yeah, I remember. Like it's, it's a parody on like Shaft, which is... Yeah, yeah. Which is just crazy. I don't know how <laughs> you can parody <laughs> Shaft, but... <laughs> So, Gold Number grossed $73 million its opening weekend, surpassing previous NBD episode, Planet of the Apes, for the biggest July opening of all time, at that point anyway. Gold Number's got a 6.2 on IMDb and a 54% on Rotten Tomatoes. The Spy Who Shagged Me has a 52%, and International Man of Mystery, the highest rated, has a fresh 70%. Now, Gold Member is, of course, a loose parody of the James Bond films Goldfinger and You Only Live Twice, those kind of specifically with a few others sprinkled in. And for those of you who are just unaccustomed to the character or don't know anything about Austin Powers, he was created by Mike Myers after his father died in 1991. I guess he began to sort of take stock in you know, his influence on him as a person and created this sort of tribute to his dad based on his father's pop culture predilection so it's an amalgamation of james bond peter sellers the beatles the goodies peter cook and dudley moore all rolled up into one my god um that's interesting i didn't know that that uh kind of puts that into a very weird perspective that i didn't really need for austin powers but (laughs) especially for this third film which is very heavily centered on the father-son dynamic oh yeah that's yeah good point and Austin Powers, he, of course, represents that archetype of the 1960s swinging London, 
the Austin Powers series follows a British spy's quest to bring his nemesis down, Dr. Evil, also played by Mike Myers. This was also right on the heels of Eddie Murphy doing this in, in comedy, and I, I guess in the first film, because Myers does play him and Dr. Evil, then he starts adding characters like Fat Bastard later on, and in Goldmember this one, he'll play another character. But yeah, this is right on the heels of Eddie Murphy doing the clumps and all that whatnot, where actors were just having a fucking ball playing a ton of different characters in drag. Sounds like so much fucking unnecessary work. There have been numerous video games based off the character, okay? As well as a canceled HBO animated series, which I did not know about. A fourth film, of course, has been stuck in development hell for the last 15 years. I don't know if we'll ever see one. I keep it there, yeah, honestly. Yeah. Goldmember, of course, won the coveted best film at the 2003 Kids' Choice Awards and nominated for several MTV Movie Awards, securing a win for Myers as favorite comedic performance. In what fucking world is this movie okay for the key to the Kids' Choice Award? <laughs> That's so uh, weird, though, that you mentioned that, because I remember that movie being weirdly marketed to kids, and it is not for kids. Not at all. Not at all. And lastly, my favorite bit of trivia here, the title of the film Goldmember actually led to legal action being taken by MGM, who of course the distributors of the James Bond film franchise that briefly led to the film's title being removed from trailers and promotional materials. The dispute was quickly resolved, however, when MGM agreed to allow them to use the title if they would include trailers for their upcoming movies, <laughs> Die Another Day, and uh, I guess Lord of the Rings the Two Towers, which was also New Line, so I'm not sure how that even created a conflict of interest, but whatever, yeah, they're like, you can use the title if you promote our films <laughs> up on your release. Whatever. Classy. Man. Yeah. Classy. Right. And I remember watching this a shit ton on DVD, and I only mention this because New Line Cinema, for I think it was like maybe three years max, had this DVD line called Infinifilm, which they only released a certain amount of titles on, and it was just like a trivia track that played, I remember, while you watched the movie and stupid little bonus interviews that would pop up. They were, they were, they were touting this as the game changer for home physical media, but it really was just a regular old dvd with a with a trivia track but. okay weird oh boy anything else zach before we, we we dive in let's fucking talk about awesome powers gold member i think i'm good man let's just do this because what an opening you this, know what uh <laughs> what an I, opening I, this I will has. start off opening part of the movie best part of the movie it's it's unbelievable um <laughs> and, and like and it's funny because there's gonna be we could just say it right off the bat there's gonna be so so many jokes in this movie that don't land for, you know, pick a reason. It's, you know, 18 years later, we're all 18 years younger. Comedy's in a different place. Some of the context doesn't make sense to a lot of people anymore. Um, but the idea of this movie, the th this whole franchise really parroting James Bond and action spy thrillers, Opening up with this fucking amazing spy helicopter chase sequence with lots of explosions and really sexy actors is objectively funny. Yeah, it's it's staged and shot like the Mission Impossible 2 opening sort of really going for like a John Woo look. And that, of course, is exemplified by the person playing Austin Powers is fucking Tom Cruise. It's Tom Cruise, yeah. <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow's playing the the femme fatale Dixie Normus, and you want it to? Yep, that's right. <laughs> Which is it's objectively funny, and then it gets a little less uh, funny when 
<laughs> when it turns out Doctor Evil is played by fucking <laughs> he who shall yeah. not be named. Yeah, Kevin Kevin Spacey. <laughs> yep, uh, Danny DeVito is Danny Mini-Me. DeVito though. Yeah, he saves that. Yeah, thankfully, there's a lot of cameos in this that I feel kids watching this today or or maybe younger adults watching this today will be like, who the fuck is that? Not anyone in this opening, but again, a way to really date this movie are the cameos. I was gonna say, um, I think the the toughest cameo in this opening sequence is actually probably Britney Spears. So it starts off this action scene and then we cut and you, we realize we're on a, a sound studio, a movie set. Steven Spielberg is shooting the title credit sequence of his film based on Austin's life, which is called Austin Bussy. And then in like classic Austin Powers sort of, you know, meta style, it then turns into the title credit sequence of this film parodying movies like Singing in the Rain. And then there's, yeah, Britney Spears music video. I got to tell you when that when that main theme starts. I love the theme. It's it, so it good. It's it so hits. good. Yeah. It really is, and like, there's a lot of really interesting dance sequences, and it's bizarrely well shot. Brandon, I realized this about halfway through this movie. This is a fucking musical. Yeah, there are a lot of musical interludes in this movie, original songs and everything. <laughs> yeah, this is a fucking musical. There are like at least five songs that take up a solid, I'd say, 20 minutes of this film. Yeah, Britney Spears gets like uh, guns in her boobs again, like a, a typical running gag of this like, series. Like the fembots in the first. Yep, 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 shoots up the place. And then we eventually, after the title's revealed, cut to Dr. Evil's secret Hollywood lair behind the Hollywood sign. He's now returned from mm-hmm. space following the events of the last film. And his evil organization is now involved in some sort of talent agency, I guess. Hey, you know, it's so... It's so tough to keep track of because it, they. this is kind of one of the problematic things in this movie right off the bat is that they want to start explaining the plot, you know, moving it forward. Like, this is Dr. Evil's evil plan, but they digress so many times for so long in all these scenes. The scene takes a solid, I, I would say, almost eight minutes to just basically explain that they want to launch a meteor into the planet <laughs> yeah it, it's ridiculous the amount of time just spent on throwaway gags it's essentially a family guy episode at, at some points yeah yeah it really is one yeah. of his new assistants yeah. is fred savage who's got this giant mole which jay roach will try to get as many laughs as possible out of oh god will he ever and and this even more so than i think a lot of comedy sequels in particular really just expects you to have seen the first two and love the first two because i wonder someone coming into this brand new is like why is there a miniature version of this guy and who is scott who's seth green (laughs) yeah who's scott why you know yeah it's 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 really tough if you're not caught up on this as to you know why like anything is as it is like why is austin powers dressed like he's in the 60s london and it's 2002 yeah time travel's just thrown around (laughs) willy-nilly oh they don't give a shit they don't care yeah scott evil who is seth green i've always loved this character i think he's one of the best parts of this movie too but honestly the the second one he gets a a, some real chances to shine but he's constantly being you know mercilessly picked on by his dad there's this whole five minute bit of him just saying like scotty don't like ice cream (laughs) yeah it's so stew scotty scotty don't that whole thing it goes on for yeah. so long and mini me clearly hates him but dr evil has this new plan he plans to travel back in time to 1975 sorry and bring back johan vandersmoot also known as gold member who lost his dick in an unfortunate smelting accident correct correct okay <laughs> 
Now, he has developed a cold fusion tractor beam, which Dr. Evil names Preparation H. Ah, funny. yeah, we, oh, and we're going to drill the Prep H joke so long. And he intends to use the tractor beam to pull a meteor into the Earth, striking the polar ice caps to cause a global flood. You know, your classic James Bond villain plan. Yeah, he's essentially going to hold the world hostage. Which he does every movie. But that those plans are stopped immediately by, by Austin, and Evil is sentenced to 400 years in prison. And Austin is then knighted for his accomplishments, but is heartbroken to realize his dad didn't bother to show up. There's a sign even <laughs> reserved for him, and the janitor's laughing. Everyone's pointing and laughing at him. And that prompts, yeah, I think this is this has got to be an original song, the Daddy Wasn't There song. I sang Daddy wasn't there, yeah. all through fucking middle school. <laughs> of course you did. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, he's singing this song at his popular dance club. He signed some autographs for Fook Me and Fook You, right? Yep, the two Asian <laughs> twins, or Japanese twins, I should say. The um, only reason I bring this up, because this is actually a really funny little Easter egg for fans of the series. Like, just as he's about to have sex with these ladies, he goes to cross off threesome with Japanese twins off his list of things to do before he dies. The only thing not crossed off on the list is when father's approval <laughs> yeah, or and everything. Like it that. scans down really quickly, and all of the things he's crossed out have been plot points in previous films. <laughs> like, go to space, all yeah. this stupid shit be frozen. Yeah, it's pretty fun. So his... his version of q really basil who's been in the first two films as well he tells him that his father has been kidnapped uh, and i guess being held in a different time period so yeah here we go boy <laughs> we get this silence of the lambs sort of confrontation between dr evil and austin uh, where he's kind of gets reminded of this memory at the academy the british intelligence academy in 1958 and this is where i mean i guess i get why they're doing this but this is my least favorite part of these movies is where they try to connect everyone and, and i guess now we're learning that they were not only nemesis for a very long time but they were roommates growing up too we see like a young dr evil and austin powers yeah they really changed the dynamic of this whole relationship i gotta tell you though the kid actors playing the two leads are phenomenal they're so they're so good flawless impersonations yeah <laughs> everyone even down to like number the two the guy who's playing basil, mimicking rob Lowe, and the guy's mimicking basil uh, basil. yeah they're all good but even at this memory yeah austin's dad didn't attend this very important ceremony in which he's named international man of mystery his dad by the way is nigel powers played by the incredible michael Caine. last seen here arguing with puppets in the muppet christmas carol why do we keep doing this to michael Caine? <laughs> Like, we're just kind know, we of disrespecting Michael Caine at this point. <laughs> By choosing these films of his a very impressive filmography yeah. to tear apart. We ought to do Jaws the Revenge next. Oh, perfect. Yeah, Dr. Evil tells his dad, uh, or tells him that his dad's been kidnapped by gold members being held in 1975, so Austin travels back in time, which again, has been sort of custom in this franchise, infiltrates gold members' roller disco club, and is reunited with a former flame FBI agent, Foxy Cleopatra. Played by uh, everyone's favorite, Beyonce Knowles. Hey, dude. Beyonce Knowles. <laughs> uh, another song, and this song is fantastic. Of course it is. <laughs> He's got the Midas touch, but it touched it too much. Who sings it? Hey, Goldmember. Uh, oh, are you going to tell me to keep it that way? It's Beyonce who sings the song. No, dude. No, I wouldn't do that. Cool. But, like, maybe just... You know, <laughs> keep your job, her, yeah. yeah. Maybe just shut up. Um, and Foxy, so she's an undercover. She's undercover there as a disco singer. It's clearly a riff on, you know, Pam Greer and other black exploitation stars of the 70s. Uh, and Beyonce, yeah, reminds us how great her voice is during this little 
Goldmember song as Goldmember himself roller skates around the floor, does a whole bunch of looking into the camera, and it, it's a it's a solid two and a half to three minute sequence of just this song, the full song of him dancing around, rotating his legs in impossible positions. I've loved every song in this though. It's bizarre, like we're harping on it for essentially being kind of a fucking musical comedy, but it, I don't hate any of the music so far. No, I think there's only no. one song that I'm not a huge fan of. Everything else is like very listenable then we finally get introduced to nigel as foxy informs austin that his dad's in the back room under heavy guard we also really get more of gold member who okay so he's from holland and this this is i think the biggest problem with the movie is i don't really care for gold member as a character he's not one that funny or he's obviously not intimidating but in comparison to the other characters that mike myers has created for this franchise fat bastard mini me dr evil he doesn't hold a candle. He's not nearly as funny as these guys, even though I find it utterly disgusting when he's peeling his skin off and like putting it in a box or eating it sometimes. Yeah. I kind of like his little laugh when he's just laughs unprompted and doesn't say anything else. Just like, ha ha. Like, <laughs> oh, sure. That's, yeah, like, some good that's like kind of funny, but you're right. He, and in terms of memorable characters, I think he's one of the least established created characters out of this franchise. Yeah, and his storyline is so just kind of put on the back burner for the most part. You're really invested in the Dr. Evil plot and and Austin and his dad that despite the movie being called Goldmember, I don't really give a shit about this whole this whole bit. This whole although in this scene I think the funniest part is when they talk quote real British in front of each other. <laughs> And Mike Myers and Michael Kite uh, go off on a tangent of British slang that all, like, if you stop and listen to it, all actually makes sense until they trail off at the very end. It's it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. Yeah, that bit's funny. And Michael Caine delivers, my I think, my favorite line of the entire film where he says, there are only two things I can't stand in this world. People who are intolerant of other people's cultures. And the Dutch. <laughs> that is, it's still funny. I, I was anticipating that because I think it is the most memorable line in this movie. So I was anticipating it. Even when he delivers it, he delivers it with such anger. Because <laughs> he hates them so, so very much. So yeah, much. It's funny. Uh, so Foxy and Austin, they chase Goldmember and Nigel back to 2002. Cut to Dr. Evil, now in prison. He's meeting with Mindy Sterling, of course, Frau, a, f- a former flame. and Yeah, they have this weird make-out session and gives him a key. The whole reason he he's in this jail is because in exchange for telling Austin Powers where to find Goldmember, he got transferred into a lower security prison to be with Mini-Me, but also, obviously, to escape a little bit easier. Yes, and in uh, classic trilogy style, we have to learn a little bit more about our villain for the first time now. So he tells her that, you know, he's never met his father. There was a car accident when he was a baby in which he was rescued and raised by a Belgian couple. Mm -hmm. And then, again, Dr. Evil just persuades the prisoners to start a riot so they can break out, and it's all set to... It's a hard knock life. Um, it's a hard in which knock a, life, and they do a, a rap very dumb music video starts that I watched far too often as a kid. This is this was the one song that doesn't doesn't speak to me in this movie. Oh, I, I love the riff because I remember this being a huge Jay Z song, which is also funny because it's Beyonce in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, him just rapping in between it. If this had maybe gone on for a verse, I could have laughed it off. But it goes on way too long. It's a full three minute song. <laughs> 
song. No, but it's like an entire it's yeah. an entire song. Yeah. And again, you can really tell they're trying to parody like the MTV Real World, all this shit that like I never found funny. And uh, yeah, this is this is not great. It it starts falling into the same trap that Zoolander falls into, where it starts dating itself a little bit. And we talked about that at the beginning, where it's just so many of these jokes at this point. It's like. They don't make music videos like that anymore. MTV isn't really around in terms of, you know, the musical influence that it had back in the 2000s, you know? Um, So it's it's at this point, it's just making jokes that date itself and don't really hit with modern audiences anymore. But the riot does wind up working, and they escape very easily. We cut to the coast of Tokyo in Dr. Evil's submarine lair, shaped as himself, of course. Goldmember unveils Austin Powers' Faja. I thought that was pretty funny when I was a kid. Yeah. Do you think it was funny now? You know, less funny. Yeah. Less funny. Yeah. <laughs> Goldmember also wants to paint his dick gold because that's kind of his thing. <laughs> and uh, Nigel is brought into a holding cell by Minimi in a super disturbing scene in which he convinces <laughs> Minimi to show him his dick. Yeah. Completely unprompted. Just wants to be like, you must have a, are you proportional? Like, what's your dick looking like? He shows him, and then there's a, th- a sound of a thud as, like, the dick's supposedly enormous. He calls him tripod. Yeah. Tells him he can yeah. use it as a kickstand. Good stuff. Some of these sex jokes get a little, like, uh, yeah, I'm not crazy. I know. <laughs> I know. But when you're 12 years old, the funniest it's, goddamn in, thing like, ever. heaven. <laughs> you are in heaven. It's ex- speaking exactly to you. But Austin and Foxy, they follow a tip to Tokyo, landing at a su- sumo arena, I guess. The victor of which is Fat Bastard. Yeah, you want to talk about uh, jokes that were funnier when you were 12. This whole fucking Fat Bastard scene, man. I can't deal with it. This is when the movie starts really to lose me. He is nauseatingly disgusting. Yeah, it's fucking absolutely disgusting goes on way too long again probably funny when you and i were what when this movie came out 10 11 yeah yeah but and then just fart jokes and you know i pooped myself and blah 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 it's god it's just not into it this whole like and this whole plot idea of bringing back fat bastard really for no reason it's such pandering yeah, it's such pandering. There's no reason why Fat Bastard needs to be in this movie at all. When he, when he does fart, he does have a couple lines that made me laugh. Like, it smells like carrots and throw up. One that was, <laughs> that could gag a maggot. <laughs> yeah, but it's, but, but it's, but it's They're followed so up. With God the, damn it. I know. That, like, joke is in between seven other really bad fart jokes. No, yeah, exactly. You got to pick out the good stuff. I feel like this is, there's far less of this in the second one. Jokes that miss, in my opinion, that flat out miss. And I feel like we're starting to see the start of love guru Mike Myers in some of this movie. Like, you can tell that some of these jokes are, that would absolutely belong in that movie and you wouldn't bat an eye. (laughs) It's like they kind of do it on set. They do all the jokes that he has ready on set. And then they get to the editing room and they're just like, "Uh, I don't know, don't cut any of them. (laughs) It's like, no, cut one. Cut one or two. Keep the gag a maggot one, but a few of them could go. (laughs) Gag a maggot is... (laughs) objectively funny uh meanwhile scott evil seth green he's trying to become more like his dad so not only is he balding which obviously (laughs) he also bought him some sharks with laser beams attached to their heads throw back to the first one right yeah yeah first and second i think and uh you know mini me of course famously not a fan of scott he's also not a fan of scott getting all this newfound attention because (laughs) dr evil's like asking people to leave and and then yeah everybody turns on him for some weird reason 
<laughs> like, what was Mini-me? the lead up to this? Yeah, yeah, it comes out of nowhere because <laughs> he's infatuated yeah. with him for the second, uh, the second movie and the first act of this one. And then for some reason, I think just because he's realizing he actually has a connection to his biological son, that maybe he's pushing Mini Me out. But Mini Me gets so fed up with this that he's thinking about actually turning sides and 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 helping Austin Powers. It is such a weird. Ter- I mean, if we were looking at a movie that wasn't you know one entire big joke, I would have severe issues with the way this came about but again it's you know it's a parody what am i gonna do sit here sit here and be like well that's weird character development they go to roboto industries they interrogate the doctor and there's this bit involving subtitles and the color of the letters in the background (laughs) behind them or that they're sitting on they did this in the franchise before haven't they yeah i'm sure they've done this before i I honestly can't remember he does go snooping though and is forced to Another bit of visual humor pissed behind this statue because he unplugs it accidentally. Yeah, I remember this scene when I was a kid. Boy, do I remember this scene as a kid. They find Goldmember just as he's escaping with Preparation H. Uh, But, of course, they're a little bit too late because they have to save Nigel from getting his dick melted with gold. They manage to do so. They set him free, and they head off after him where there's this chase. The the car gets stuck underneath a Godzilla statue. (laughs) Yep, quick little uh, pretty racist joke in the middle of that. Yeah, but I like how they can't really call him Godzilla based on the uh, <laughs> what, copyright, copyright right? laws. Yeah, yeah. And Goldmember gets away, he escapes safely onto Doctor Evil's submarine, and then Nigel and Austin have their little falling out because Daddy wasn't there. You know, back at Austin's hotel, however, Fred Savage thanks Mini Me for switching sides and becoming an informant. Austin, however, doesn't know this, so when he sees Minnie Me in his room with a knife, I think he's got a letter opener trying to open up a package or something, yeah. he immediately starts beating the shit out of Vern Troyer. And I gotta say, some, some of those physical bits did have me laughing when they're throwing this clearly like a fake dummy <laughs> dwarf yeah. person across the room into furniture and shit. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah, your mileage may vary, but uh, I gotta say, I gotta, I've got a few giggles there, out of this. You know, then, I'm, I, typically I shit all over movies that don't make me laugh. Wait, no, I will wait, say, do you? Yeah, go figure. Um, this movie, I will admit, there was I had a couple moments of weakness where I was like, yeah, it was pretty funny. It's pretty funny, some of them. Uh, again, Austin finally unloads all of his mole-related <laughs> pun outbursts to Fred Savage, so we're finally done with that joke. And Mini-Me, for whatever reason, just decides to dress like uh, Mini-Austin Powers, so now he's just switched all together. Now he's a good guy. It's so weird. Dr. Evil does his, uh, you know, every movie he's got to threaten the government with some unimaginable sum of money if they don't pay up. He demonstrates that he's not bluffing by repeating the old, this looks giant joke, <laughs> whatever. This one's involving a satellite that's shaped like a pair of tits, and this is the yeah, they least funny running the gag. Yeah, this one with <laughs> talk about a fucking pop culture reference that does not age well. For all of our younger listeners, I don't know how many we have, but for our younger listeners... The fucking Osbournes were the Kardashians before the Kardashians. Watching the Osbournes was like, because they were the most dysfunctional group of people in the fucking world. But they had a reality show where all they did was fucking yell at each other and swear at each other. But fucking, that, it's so weird thinking about that show now. I know, I know. Because the second one, they do that whole extended bit with uh, the Jerry Springer show, mm-hmm. I remember. So they're always doing these, yeah, very dated pop cultural references. But even Ozzy Osbourne calls out the filmmakers for, you know, <laughs> making a lazy joke and returning to a same tired cliche. Yeah, just doing the same fucking joke that we did in the last <laughs> yep, two films. Yep. There's a, 
I did laugh a lot here, actually. I think this may be the part I laughed the hardest at when... Just because it's such a stupid visual image of they have to hide him and Austin Powers and Mini-Me. So instead of the obvious two guys in a trench coat routine, it's him on top of Mini-Me's shoulders. So his legs are really tiny and he's walking into shit. And then he like stumbles into this henchman um, physical exam or whatever. Yeah, I don't know why they have to do physicals. <laughs> but it's funny because he gets roped into where Mini-Me has to spit apple juice in a cup like he's looking like he's taking a piss. Or there's, of course, the shadow play that makes it look like he's giving birth or whatever at one point. Yeah, it's so bizarre. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, it all boils down to this, you know, final confrontation between Dr. Evil and Austin Powers. Austin has him dead to rights, but Nigel comes forward to reveal the bombshell. Oh. Dr. Evil and Austin are brothers. Dude, I was always fascinated with this scene where he goes on to explain what happened because they do this, like, throwback scene with two babies in the car. Then the car explodes, and then they use footage from an old Michael Caine movie. <laughs> To get young Michael Caine like reaction, and I had to look up this movie, and I I recommend you do a little bit of reading of it. It's the movie is called Hurry Sundown, and it was fucking panned when it came out. People hated it when it came. Out. <laughs> oh, it's got a twenty two on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, and maybe it's we should such cover an that. old movie. <laughs> uh, honestly, I th- I kind of want to watch it now because how bad can it possibly be? just look it up all i can tell you right now about it is if you're reading the plot synopsis in wikipedia towards the tail end they 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 enlist the help of a clansman oh my god do with that what you will good lord well i I mean this whole bit really doesn't make sense anyway because we're supposed to believe that nigel is this very intelligent spy and he sees his car blow up with his two children and wife and he finds he stumbles upon the the not the corpse the baby austin bowers baby picks it up and then he just i guess never looked inside the car yeah, yeah and then just watches and just watches like this belgian couple pick up his other kid (laughs) And then, hence his reason for hating the Dutch so very much, I guess, because they turned uh, Dr. Evil so evil. In fact, his name is not Dr. Evil, it's Dougie. Well, no, because they're Belgians and not Dutch, so it's... So again, why the hatred for the so Dutch? So why does he hate the Dutch? I think he just hates the Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. But, but, he, but it's this claim that Belgian people are evil. Like, those Belgians turned you so damn evil. <laughs> And Austin is actually pretty cool all this fairly soon. It takes him just a quick second. And he's like, all, they're all in. All three of them embrace. And th- and I do love this where Scotty was like, what the fuck? He basically just flips out because he, you know, goes back to hating his dad this whole he time. Spent, he spent two <laughs> movies hating his father and then finally like starts embracing his father's whole persona and lifestyle and evil ways <laughs> and then he just flips oh man so then yeah he runs away you'll pay screaming you'll pay kind of setting up the sequel i suppose which honestly i would have it had this come out two years after gold member i would have been into seeing maybe if seth green had taken up the mantle or how that would work and then you realize at this point, oh fuck that's right gold member is actually the villain of the movie <laughs> and then so he's got to come back in goes ahead with his plans, and I guess through some sort of technical nonsense mumbo-jumbo, Dr. Evil reroutes the power bullshit to the submarine, which uh, kills Goldmember. It's so weird. (laughs) So dumb, so so dumb. But as Goldmember falls to his death, he gets up. turns out it's John Travolta, dude. Wait, what the fuck? And now we're inside the movie version of the events we've just seen. We cut to a movie theater, them actually watching the movie, and... um, 
yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. They leave the theater. They run into Fat Bastard, who's lost. He says only 180 pounds. There's no way that's only 180 pounds. He must have lost, no. like, 300 pounds. No. Because he's a normal-shaped human yeah, being, although least. he's got all this loose skin. Uh, went on the old Subway diet, dude. Like Jared. Another good pop culture reference. <laughs> yep, nothing wrong with Jared. That's at least, a, that's number two count on the sexual predator list of cameos, or at least mentions. Yeah, in mentions in this movie, yeah. <laughs> Foxy and Austin share a kiss, and Scott Evil laughs maniacally from his Hollywood lair. You know, teasing a sequel that we'll probably never get. And uh, Goldmember. We get several outtakes, by the way, of Ozzy Osbourne stumbling through his two lines in this movie, which is real sad to watch. Well, I mean, that was, again, that back when that show was a thing, that was predictable. It was just because something not right with Ozzy Osbourne, man. That guy did... <laughs> did way too many drugs and alcohols <laughs> yeah we also get like a couple fucking weird like after or i guess technically during credit scenes nothing really of any sort of note mini me's gonna have sex with britney spears it's implied yeah because he's got a kickstand yeah he's got a big dig dude yeah whatever who cares that's it that's gold member dude member. yeah <laughs> what are your thoughts i want to hear your thoughts um first. you know i <laughs> I was really, really, really skeptical when we started. Um, I just, I didn't really think that this movie was going to hold up. And in a lot of ways it doesn't. And in a couple of ways it does. All the jokes that, you know, aren't just like childish fart humor and sex puns, that kind of stuff. You know, those aren't funny in general, but everything else that isn't dated by its own time still is kind of funny. You know, the, there's... There's some a couple bright spots in this movie, um, elements of a, a fairly decent comedy. Again, weirdly, I like the music a lot in this movie, and there's a shit ton of it. It's definitely the weakest of the Austin Powers movies, I'm sure. I don't. I'd have to go back and watch the second one. Um, it's definitely not as good as the first one. Um, I that said, I don't need that sequel, that planned sequel, to come out of development hell. It can stay there for all I care. It's just a movie of its decade. I don't I'm not going to recommend it because I don't think it holds up outside of 2002. If you're watching it in 2002, it probably makes a lot more sense and it's a lot funnier. Now in 2020, I just don't really see it. Uh what did we say a 54? I'm I'm going to give it a little lower. I'm going to say a 45. Um, you know, it's not terrible. I wouldn't recommend it for, I guess if you want to feel a little bit of nostalgia, there's a, there is some to be had, but you're better off watching International Man of Mystery or The Spy That Shagged Me if you're going to go back to an Austin Powers movie to feel better about yourself. Other than that, it is just simply okay. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It is the weakest of the three. I haven't seen that first one in a long time, but the stuff that the second one introduces, I think Fat Bastard and Mini-Me are really novel when they're first introduced, and it's like these fun, bizarre, ridiculous characters. It's also got that running bit with Will Ferrell, who has to be asked questions like four times or whatever before he answers or some dumb thing. Um, I don't know. That, that being said, though, I do think... This is one of those movies that, despite there being a shit ton of cameos and, and dated pop culture references, it didn't bum me out as much as I sort of anticipated. I do think the opening is actually really fun. I think that they get into a lot of clever meta bits, which is what this series is known for. But unfortunately, I think like the funniest bits of this movie are like the recycled jokes from the previous ones. They just do them in different forms and whatnot, and it just gets a bit tired. 
Beyonce, which we didn't actually talk about too much, um, she's fine in this movie. I, I like her character enough, and she brings enough personality to it, because it's fucking Beyonce. I'm sure if she'd done this later on in her career, when maybe her acting ability had gotten a little better, it would have been maybe even maybe even better. But, but compared to Heather Graham and Elizabeth Hurley, I'm not sure if she has enough to do. I don't think they give her as much as they did those other characters, and so maybe that's the disservice. But Goldmember as a villain isn't nearly as memorable as these other characters he, he's created for this franchise. And so, But I don't think it's a bad movie. It's a solid like two out of four star film for me. So I'll, I'll put it right up there with you. I'll go with a 50. Um, it's fine. It's not a bad comedy. I think if you do want maybe a little blast of 2002 nostalgia. There are a lot of references that really, really date the film and really make you remind yourselves like, fuck, what a time to be alive, the early 2000s were. But it's fine. It's not too bad. One of my observations that I noticed with International Man of Mystery, though, is that that movie is way more of a spy parody, whereas this one is definitely more of a pop culture parody. There's a lot more jokes in this one, it feels like that reference, you know, 2002 and that timing, whereas International Man of Mystery, which came out in, what, 97? Yeah. Um, pretty much, there were a couple of timely jokes there, but pretty much stuck straight to just a raunchy spy comedy. It's probably more streamlined, I'd imagine, or more focused uh, a spy parody. Almost like I would I would compare it to the first scary movie really being about the horror slasher genre, and then the second one comes into fucking Charlie's Angels parodies and shit like that. It just branched out into just parodying all entertainment of all kind. And so I think it works better when you're sti- sticking with a very specific genre and template. It feels like a natural progression for these parody franchises. I don't know if we need to keep franchising parody movies. That's, that's it, does, it right there. It does <laughs> yeah. feel like a natural progression where you know you go through the first movie and you go through all the tropes that you wanted to make fun of by the second one you're risking just driving those jokes into the ground that you've already done the only thing you can really turn to is what are people laughing at right now celebrities and stupid shit but it is i mean it's undeniable that austin powers is one of the most recognizable characters established in the 90s and so i'm glad we got to cover it because especially that second film and and again the third film as much as i may not want to admit it now i fucking love them so much i watched them so many times so i'm glad we were at least able to revisit one yeah uh and probably a better idea that we went after this one than we did international man of mystery well man we're actually we're not running too long so we actually got a little bit of time to chat about anything you've watched over this fucking quarantine nightmare uh i've watched a couple of things that i can't really remember right now but (laughs) i will tell you what i was watching last night i can give this a recommend and i oh this is dangerous because i feel like i'm gonna isolate uh, a good part of our of our demographic here because we have a lot of listeners based out of Maine. Um, Brandon, I, I'm, I'm going to say it right here on this podcast. I'm not a huge fan of Stephen King. Oh, um, shit. Yeah, I know. I know. You're Oof. a Mainer. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, don't don't hang up. Um, we'll see. <laughs> just, <laughs> I, just, I don't know. There's a couple things out of Stephen King that I really enjoy, um, but so much of his stuff I'm not really a fan of. Uh but HBO's The Outsider, dude, they're pretty good. Oh, okay, phew. Okay, I was worried. I was worried you were going to start I'm, making so, me feel well, sad. Well, you know what? I'm five episodes in. There's five more episodes for it to fuck itself up. But <laughs> those first five episodes are pretty good. Um, Jason Bateman directs, I think, the first two. Oh, okay. Um, and he's in it 
Um, ben Mendelsohn is fantastic. Cynthia Arrivo's um, in that too, right? She is, yeah. Nice. And she's pretty good too. Yeah. Um, so it's, I think it's worth a watch. Um, I haven't read The Outsider yet, again, because I tend to avoid Stephen King books. <laughs> Better or worse than your last uh, Stephen King venture, It Chapter it two. 2. Oh my God, It Chapter 2 is fucking garbage. That movie <laughs> sucks balls. Um, yeah, no, it's way, way better. This one feels a little bit more like watching the first season of True Detective, just less gritty and more obviously like confusing Stephen King horror. Okay. But it is really good. I recommend it. Any other series or, or movies or anything like that? Um, recommend or not recommend? So I'll give this recommendation, Brandon. I'm not sure if you've watched it yet. but Maybe you have. I can't remember if we talked about it. Everybody's fucking talking about it. Uh, Netflix, The Tiger King. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I'm, I'm going to further isolate myself from, <laughs> from our audience and go ahead and say that I'm also not a crazy huge fan of true crime documentaries. <laughs> Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not, you know, they're just not my thing. I don't judge anybody for watching them. I'm just not really that into them. I got badgered into fucking watching Tiger King. I don't I can't tell you how many people were like, That'll happen. Watch, you gotta watch it. Oh, my God. Um, it's so funny because I remember when Joe Exotic was running for president. Wow, do and you so really? when I saw that, I do. So when I saw that documentary come up, I was like, I don't really want to watch Joe Exotic. <laughs> like, not, But I hadn't really been up, keeping up to date with what his life was like i just knew that he was some fucking weirdo who ran for president at one point with a bunch of tigers in the back of his commercial um, <laughs> but this documentary i gotta say it's um it's just good television brandon there's no getting around it every it's like it's so psychotic. The The whole idea of it is just like this underground world. It's not even underground. They're doing it right in front of our faces of these people who are collecting and abusing tigers. Fucking nuts. <laughs> and then they get so caught up in their own drama that they try and kill each other. It's Carol fucking, fucking Baskin, dude. Dude, she's a, she's not a good person. No, of course not, dude. <laughs> she's she not did a it. good person. She yeah, did it. None of them are good people. It's fucking just batshit crazy, and they have amazing footage. I will say, from a filmmaking standpoint, the footage and access that they get is phenomenal. Um, I can't believe it, but I'm going to fucking recommend it. It's good television. Bang it out in a night or two and move on with your life. And don't, and and before you want to tweet about how much fun you're having watching Joe Exotic, go ahead and watch all 10 episodes and then, you know reevaluate that position yeah there's actually supposed to be as of the time of recording this one last episode they're uploading next week so it's like a what? follow-up of all this shit because they were badgered after netflix it was like this is so fucking successful you have to follow this up and then i guess they had left a bunch of stuff out because they didn't just couldn't fit it in but people want answers i hope they talk more i hope they talk more about because if you look up joe exotic man that they left out a bunch of the abuse in that zoo yeah they do not treat animals well at that zoo I'm I'm a little upset that that got glossed over, but understandably with a murder for hire plot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, understood. Yeah, understand. Uh, yeah, definitely give it a fucking give it a watch. It's good. I'll watch that follow up. I'm not happy about it, but I'll watch it. <laughs> what about you, brother? Yeah, man, I've just been powering through a bunch of shit stuff that I hadn't seen that had just been you know stacking up for a while. Like uh, Six Underground finally broke my cherry. Thank dude. God, dude. The best movie you've ever seen, right? Yeah, I can't get that two hours back. <laughs> nope. Nope. You sure can't. Uh, so yeah, I checked out that. I watched Sexy Beast. 
for the first time? Ben Kingsley movie? It was like back in like 2000. Dude, it's pretty fucking good. Ray Winstone, like a nice like British gangster movie that, uh, yeah, just went under the radar for me. Finished Tiger King, watched that in about two or three days. Again, man, it's just fucking. It's wild. Out of this world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, watched Tammy and the T-Rex. <laughs> Which I have to say, if you want to get a little stoned or a little drunk and watch something that's just going to take your mind off this movie, this whole goddamn crisis, man, what a good time. It was, if you don't have Shudder, by the way, Shudder's an exclusive uh, horror streaming service. All they do is put horror movies on there. Right now, it's three for 30 days if you use the code SHUTIN, all capital letters. So if you want to just peruse their horror library, they got a bunch of weird cult shit and more popular stuff as well. But this one starred Paul Walker and Denise Richards, and it's about Paul Walker being murdered and then is brought back to life as a fucking T-Rex mechanical robot. And he falls in love with Denise Richards, and it's about them like having... Dude, I can't tell you how fucking much fun I had with the movie. (laughs) Check it out. (laughs) Tammy and the T-Rex. Well, I'm not going to watch it sober. (laughs) No, no, do not do that. Uh, One of their Shudder exclusives was a movie called Daniel Isn't Real, which I I think got a small theatrical release. But it's kind of a riff on the Drop Dead Fred, but for a horror version. Not too bad. It's okay. Uh, What else did I check out? Hotel Artemis? Oh, yeah. I remember seeing the previews for that a couple years ago. Went completely missed by me, and it's got a fucking killer cast. It was Sterling K. Brown and Jodie Foster, Charlie Day. It's completely forgettable. I completely understand why no one really talks about it. Uh, It's kind of a set in the near future L.A. about that hotel from um, John Wick. It's very similar to that premise, so it's okay. And the last one I checked out was The Standoff at Sparrow Creek. Which is, these are all the new ones. I didn't bother going to the movies I had seen before. But Standoff Sparrow Creek is a 2018 film about this local militia who, at the start of the movie, there is a murder at a police funeral. Some guy opens fire, kills like a bunch of people at a police funeral, all cops. Uh, and then it's all about this militia who they realize one of their guns, their AR-15s, is mission is missing, and so they have to figure out like almost a very tight. It all takes place in one location at this lumber yard where they figure out who, which one of us caused this crime, and how we're gonna throw you to the wolves. Essentially, really well done, well acted. I liked it a lot. It's on Hulu right now if you want to check it out. Interesting. Yeah, dude. I forgot one more though. Speaking of movies that you should probably go ahead and you know not be sober when you're watching it because it really like what i thought about it is not like a amazing movie um don verdeen have you ever seen that movie oh no i know i haven't seen it but it's sam rockwell right yeah it's by the guy who did napoleon dynamites yeah sam rockwell danny mcbride and um i can't remember his name he's from um what we do in the shadows and uh oh yeah jermaine clement yes jermaine clement um yeah, it's a movie about um, this guy who goes around find, finding biblical artifacts, like really obscure bi- biblical artifacts. Like they're searching for the skull of uh, Goliath from David and Goliath. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, like so he goes around and finds like weird stuff like that, basically. So he, you know, he, he's made his living off of doing that and touring and showing off, you know, all of his artifacts and. Uh, Danny McBride, who's a pastor at a local church, is getting worried that another church is moving in on his territory, kind of like Righteous Gemstones. Righteous Gemstones. (laughs) And so he hires him to go out and find artifacts that he can bring back to his church so he can, you know, get all of his parishioners back. Wow. And it just kind of spirals. Uh, Amy Ryan, also in that movie. Okay, okay. Um, 
yeah, it's not great, but it kept me entertained for <laughs> pretty a while. funny. Yeah, if you want to, yeah, if you want to get a little, if you want to get a little drunk or a little high and watch that, I recommend doing that. <laughs> okay, actually, speaking of what we do in the shadows, I started watching that too on FX. There, pretty fun. I saw a couple episodes. Yeah, yeah. It's not too bad. Not as good as the movie so far, but I'm, I've heard it gets no. better as it goes along. I love Mark Proch. So you watched that. 1917 too, right? I did watch 1917. Finally, still. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, not probably a good movie to watch at this. No, point. the imagery of it is is not uh, great, uh, given the circumstance right now. Him walking around a battlefield, you know, broken and gray and cold, with dead bodies all over the place, didn't really do much for the psyche. But next week's movie will. <laughs> oh, that's right. We haven't even talked about next week's movie yet. Oh my god. Uh, determined by a flip of a coin. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yes, it was. Uh, between, what was it, that and we were going to do Disney's Pocahontas. <laughs> so, you know, that's thank not you, Lucky Stars. Doing. Yeah, thank you, Lucky Stars. We're yeah, not we're doing not, that one. Maybe We're someday. not doing Disney's Pocahontas, probably eventually, um, you know, when we need, like, a quick, <laughs> like, let's just do it. Um, no, Brandon, we're doing 1997s. <sighs> flubber <laughs> you can barely robin say williams. it yes yeah. i can hardly say it robin williams uh flubber what the fuck what are we doing, doing? yeah i don't know what, what we're we doing, doing? where do we did this to ourselves no one told us we had to do this no, no one's asked us to do flubber <laughs> no we've gotten but more requests are. for drumline yeah <laughs> 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 i'd love to watch drumline but we'll get to it we'll get to it We'll get to it, but oh we're sticking God. with Flubber for some reason. Hey, it's on Disney Plus for all you fine folks, out, all you cool cats out there. <laughs> yeah, for all you cool cat and kittens out there, it's on Disney Plus. Um, so enjoy, enjoy. Yeah, watch it with us. <sighs> and if for some reason you're, you know, a lack of content, lack of entertainment over your uh, your pandemic uh, quarantine here, check out the feed. We got tons of episodes. Again, not nearly as many as we should by this point in time, but we got a solid 80 episodes up there on the feed, nbd.podbean.com. Yep. And we're also on Facebook, which I highly recommend you follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, just search for our name because we got the worst Twitter handle in the world. Um, you'll find you'll it. You'll find it. It's just search Nostalgia Be Damned. That's our show. Um, and also, please <laughs> tell your friends. Please tell them. Let them know if they're bored. We do a movie podcast, and also, please, for the love of God, write us a review so people know about us. Yeah, so people think we suck less than we probably appear. We do suck less. You look rough, by the oh, way. Oh, I'm just letting it all you grow look- out, dude. Got the gross <laughs> beard coming in, but it's all patchy and yeah. blonde and black and ugly. Yeah, dude, I'm not, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> no, you don't, you know, Brandon's not doing it. I'm going to come out of this looking like Joe Exotic. Oh, man, me too. I can't wait. <laughs> My barber closed down. It's going to be great. Oof, yeah, I know. We're all going to come out of this haggard. Yeah. Haggard. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Like we said, you can also shoot us an email at nostalgiabedamnedpod. Oh, fuck. I'm going to affect this Jesus. up every time. Nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com. That's it. I said it. You did it. You're doing a great job. You're all doing a great job. We love you so much. Wash your fucking hands. Wash those little meat hooks, and Carol Baskin fucking did it. <laughs> she did it. They're all bad people. Save the tigers. Peace. Bye.